Hello friends and thanks for being here. Today we're checking out a big new release that is if you're in Japan or Australia and is Adam's Golf back in the game. Let's see what the guys know today. This is episode number 55 of No Putts Given. Let's get it. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. All right, everybody, like I said, thanks for being here today. We've got Tony, Harry, and Chris, and we're here to chat about a couple of things. Hi, guys. How are you? I do well. Mm -hmm. Good. I want somebody to open the show by telling me something that I don't know. A picnic table kind of thing, our outdoor dining table we've had for like 20 years, shattered. <gasps> yes. Wow, why? Or a couple of days. The sun. Don't yeah. know. It's the sun. It shattered, so I had to clean up all this glass, and now I'm in the market for uh, uh, some new outdoor furniture, what Tony will attest to, is not a good deal. It yeah. Is. No, no, <laughs> not no. Two, two years ago, we bought the the telescope stuff, and, and you know, it's it's nice patio Because you saw it at the PGA show. Yeah, well, and no, I saw it at the PGA show. My wife was already fully aware of it and was, like, planning, oh, yeah, we're going to go look at that. Man, what a, I mean, it's nice, but. Bang for the buck, it's a scam. <laughs> I bet you knew that, though, Miranda. I did know that, but... But you didn't know that I was in the market for no, a new patio table because mine shattered, so... You don't have any snacks today? Um, we got peppermint. A little Knibby CBD, we're on to peppermint flavor. It's very... It, I mean, it's again, it's really good. It's uh, I like how you, this flavor. is a snack for you. I know. It's, it it is, is CBD yeah. droppers. <laughs> Yeah, I well, feel like know. we're uh, we're like two weeks away from Chris taking that roll-on cream and, and just being like. <laughs> Alrighty, well, we should jump into our topics today. What do you guys think? Let's get you it. Ready for it? Get it. Yeah. yeah. All right, the first one I've got for you. Ping is releasing the new G425. It's three drivers. Um, you can get it if you're in Japan or Australia, right, Tony? But here's what I want to know is. How do they improve on something that we have deemed to be about as good as it can get? Well, first, yeah, it will be available initially in Japan, Australia, other parts of the world, not in the USA, which is like totally super weird. But thank you, COVID. As far as improvements, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting because Ping typically isn't one to be like, like, hey, we, we did this revolutionary new things, technology nobody ever has had before, and it's the greatest thing ever. They're, they tend to be sort of matter of fact, yeah, we, we made some subtle improvements here and here and here, like small things. And, and we think that some of those small things adds up to something that maybe is going to be better for some golfers. So, you know, we've seen some things with like changes to where that rear weight placement is. I think, you know, there may be a story there. Um, but otherwise I would expect it to be subtle refinements and, and Ping has acknowledged like, you know, it, it takes three to five years to kind of have a wow breakthrough with a driver or to see kind of a, an, a, a step up to that, that makes an appreciable difference if you bought the one before it, so to speak. So I would ex expect subtle improvements, but that said, I would still expect it to be really good, uh, because that, that's what Ping does. So, you know, the SFT model their, their anti-slice driver, I would expect that to do just a little bit better job of, of slice correction, given that the the plus is gone and the max is kind of that, that mainstream market driver. I would expect that to be higher MOI, more forgiving. And the LST, 
that's the unknown. That's the one I'm kind of really looking forward to, to taking a closer look at. Harry, what do you think? How do they improve on something that you played the G400 for a while, right? Can they get better? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, G400 in general was like a, a breakthrough for ping, I, th- I believe. And they admitted themselves that they couldn't perform better with the, the, the LST. So they waited a few times, uh, uh, waited a little bit so they can make an incremental uh, difference. That, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be any better, but if it is, they might change a little, like Tony said, waiting here and there. The biggest thing is why has it gone from G400 to G410 and then put 15 on in the end of it for G420, uh, 425? I reckon they made a huge mistake with 420. Because look at you the marketing. You just took my hot seat question, man, but keep going. <laughs> just, just think of it. <laughs> I can see a commercial. Ping, G420, smoke drives. <laughs> like use so much marketing. Go to the highest of launch angles with the G420. Uh, the new irons are like higher than ever. <laughs> or maybe we're seeing evidence as to why they didn't go with G420. No, I, I'm pretty sure that this is a marketing um, mislapse on their point. <laughs> They could have made millions. They, they, they are the Ping has to be the least 420 company in golf. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you think? Harry touched on some missed opportunities, but yeah. do you think Ping can improve on what they've already done really well here with the G425s? Um, possibly. Uh, you know, kind of thinking maybe there'd be a Groupon you know, coupon with it for some Cheetos or, you know, sandwich or something like that. Maybe, maybe that's where Harry was going, but uh, yeah, they're like the least likely OEM to go down that route. Ping is like the anti, you know, the antithesis of all that, but can they improve on it? Yeah, they can. And and I guess what I like about Ping is that it's not going to be necessarily something for everyone. Like we saw when they went from 400 to 410, um, you saw, you know, cause we we're kind of saying, how are, how are you going to improve on this? Particularly the 400 LST was like, you know, for, for a lot of people, really, really strong performer. It's okay, how are we going to improve on this? And it seems like a subtle thing, but adding the flatter lie angle settings to the Hosel adapter, you know, again, arguably more for the fitters, but for people that fight that hook a little bit, you know, uh, arguably a major difference for them. So I don't know that 425 is going to have something that significant. You know, I'd imagine that the, the Hosel adapter is going to carry over. I would imagine turbulators are probably going to carry over maybe be slightly modified a little bit, but you know, the one thing sounds like one of those words that you were tricking people with at the PGA show. (laughs) It's a Missy Elliott word. There's a song about it out there. If you haven't, uh, haven't heard it yet, there's a great turbulator song, but last point about that is ping will never compromise on MOI, right? Like that's their big rock, their foundation forgiveness. So I would expect smaller improvements that that don't uh, force any type of step backward or probably even sideways on on moi so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah nice. that's a that's a fair assumption we love data at my golf spy so anything that we can get some data on and get some perspective and uh, some insight into we love it so shotscope this week worked with us to put out some information on par three holes and Chris, I want to know, what is the best way to attack par three holes on your home course? Good question. Uh, Thank you. know, you. really depends on on the par three itself. It, to me, it's kind of like, uh, you know, par three holes, obviously you got par threes, par fours, and par fives uh, on most courses. And to me, the par threes are really kind of their own separate entity. You know, there's par three courses, you have short courses within long courses, and um, it's almost kind of like a little bit of a game within a game. And so I think... 
you know, for different players, uh, to me, the question is think about the par threes at your home course and, and how do you strategize those? Like, so for me, the first, uh, the first par three plays about 215 yards. There's a big Brits in the middle of the green. So like a big, uh, a kind what? of swale, a Brits. <laughs> That's definitely a word I've never heard. It's an architectural term. I may be throwing in words at you. <laughs> there, there is Miranda something you did not know. <laughs> I didn't know that word. But it's like 215 yards, uh, water all down the left. Um, and so, you know, that has a way uh, to play it. There's another one that's like, from the tips, it plays like 275 yards. I mean, it is like a driver. Uh, it's at least a three wood. Yeah, but that's like 275 is like 140, right? <laughs> 275 in Colorado. I, I wish, you know. And and there's a really uh, there's another one that's super unique. It's it's basically a peninsula, and the green, you know, there there's hazard on both sides. It's, it actually reminds me of one of the par threes at McGregor, where it's a really easy par three as long as you hit the green. And it's so narrow, and and it kind of has this pool infinity pool look in the background. Where like it makes it a little hard to uh, to judge the depth perception. So, um, you know, different ways to play each of those holes. But the thing that I came back to with the shot scope thing is a three is a really really good score. The average PGA Tour player they average three point oh six on par three holes throughout a year. Par is a great great score on par threes. All right, Tony, what's the best way to attack a par three hole on your home course? <sighs> Just don't. Uh, so I was kind of thinking about take this a four and move on. So the the stat and Chris would probably know the the number off the top of his head. So feel free to interject here. But the the percentage of golfers that that have to hit a driver on on a par three at least occasionally, and that's you know that was a number that I could relate to. I'm fortunate at this point, like my home course McGregor, we have two par threes that routinely play over over 200 from the member tees. Fortunately, I can I can usually hit a five wood max into those but we do have a large proportion of our aging membership that has to hit driver and and many of those guys can't get there with a driver and there's there's some ego there we have we have senior tees uh or that the guys don't necessarily like to play from we have we have a hybrid tees where you know depending on the hole you either play from the whites or the greens and and there's still some ego there where guys don't like to move up so yeah, I mean, I, I would say argue that for average golfers, there probably shouldn't be a a par three that that's lo- that is that long, because uh, it, as you mentioned in the article, Chris, right? Maybe the approach is to play it as a par four. In a lot of cases, that's what you have to do, and and kind of eat the shit on the bogey. I go, yeah, I guess that's all right, but yeah, or at least a par three and a half, right? Like number three at McGregor is a par three and a half. That's not a par three. Yeah, there's no way that's a par three. No, and and you know, eleven's a very similar situation where it's it's two hundred plus to get to the green, and if you miss either side or long, you know you're you'll be lucky to walk away with double. So, yeah, challenging. All right, Harry, what do you think? What's the best way to attack a par three? Through data. I mean, if you got, why not have your your shot scope uh, data and you look, and you play your home course every time, and you think, all right, I'm gonna miss this. I miss this left the majority of the time. Hey, how about you go right this time, and you might have miss have right. a score. <laughs> miss right, not left. <laughs> yeah, um, or you, or you. I mean, I have definitely done this in a tournament, and if it's blowing with wind, I'm laying up. Again, it all depends depends on the the conditions of the of that day. So I have played in tournaments where it's thirty mile an hour winds in England, and I'm trying to just advance the ball. 
I'm not trying to go for the greens. I'm just trying to get the ball in a forward direction in the course and then try and go up and around the green and then try and get up and down. That's all I'm trying to do. And if par three, if it's 210 yards with water down the left and over the green, I'm going to lay up right potentially and try and get up and down just because I know the majority of the golfers are going to be making bogey or double anyway. And if I can try and get sneaker par, I am getting one and a half strokes on the field on, on par threes alone, depending on how long it is. So use the data to your advantage. All right. I like it. So this week, one of our writers, John Barba, who I'm sure you all love reading his articles, but he put out an awesome profile of Skytrack. And so I want to know, are at-home launch monitors worth the money in any case? Tony, what do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love it. In fact, so I, I've got the I've got our foresight here and have not had the opportunity to go over and use the, the indoor facility at the golf course like I have in the past. And so I'm like, all right, where can I where can I set this up indoors? Is there something I can do in the garage? Can I can I quietly, you know, when when the wife is away from the house for a little while, take out a ceiling somewhere and convert our <laughs> guest room to the upper floor of my simulator, whatever it happens to be. Um, yeah, I think, I think just the, the opportunity to, to practice without having to leave your house, if you can have that set up is, is ideal. And, you know, especially but too, is it worth the money? Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're looking at, and again, I, you know, I would, I would want a GC quad set up because I, I love having that, that head data, but on ball data alone for now you're looking at all in for you know, maybe five, somewhere between five and 10,000, depending on, on how over the top you want to go for a, for a, like a Skytrack setup, for example. Yeah, that, that is well worth it, especially, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take lessons, but it, it's hard to sort of take what I learn in, in, in the lesson bay and, and go over to the golf course and work on it during a round or find time to sneak off somewhere and practice. But if you're in the house and you can, you have time to take that what you worked on in the lesson and continue that and, and work through it and build on it in your own, you know, in your living room. Yeah. That's, that's the ideal setup. Right on the dot. Again, you're doing this really well. You've practiced. <laughs> I didn't even know we were going to have a clock. What if we gave Tony a similar time limit, like a word limit on articles? Could you do that? <laughs> no, like... way. no, no. Adam's like, you know what? Let's, let's try and keep this one like around 800 words. Perfect. Yeah, no problem. Here you go. Here's the 3,600 I wrote. <laughs> I sent Tony an email once. I was like, we're thinking 700 words. And he just said, like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm going to write like three word articles. Taylor made wedge. That's it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Harry, what do you think? Are at home launch monitors worth the money? I'm going to say yes, because I know my wife and she won't let me if I, if it's not acknowledged. So yes, they are worth it. Um, I think one of the biggest things about it is don't just go buy a launch monitor because you want it in your house. Go buy a launch monitor that actually is accurate, plus gives you enough data points that you can use to benefit your game. And right now, there's only a couple out there for personal launch monitors within like the $2,000 range that is good enough um, for you to trust. For instance, Skytrack is one of those models. Um, and it is one of the best ones on the market for your indoor simulator. If you go for $500 ones, in my opinion, you're still about two years out before you even look 
at getting those in. Yeah, I know Tony's I two years is that push, but it's a long, long, it's 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 a while away. But look at the numbers. So what are you trying to work on? You're trying to work on launch angle, spin rate, um, your side axis, what like whatever it is, make sure that you have a model that can tell you those and it is comparable to the leading ones in the market, like a GC quad or a Trackman. And right now, Skytrack has the, uh, those data points to back that, but there isn't many on the market that don't have enough data points for you to learn and improve on. All right, Chris, what do you think? I'm seeing a screen in the background that looks like you might actually have a launch monitor in your house, right? Yeah, I'm just uh, turning the camera there. You kind of be able to see it on the on the YouTube one here a little bit. But yeah, this is a uh, you know something we worked on as part of the story too, is kind of building an in-home launch monitor and and being able to do that. So is it is it worth it? I'd say yeah, uh, so long as you're willing to invest a certain amount of money. Um, you know, you got to go at least SkyTrack or better, I think, to get the benefit out of it from a you know, from a performance standpoint, from an, you know, if you're actually going to be working on things as opposed to, hey, I'm just going to put, you know, a couple uh, mattresses against the wall and, and hit balls against that, which, you know, if you're not willing to spend at least SkyTrack money to do it, then get mattresses, something like that, and, you know, and, and go as cheaply as you possibly can. But is it worth it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I think it's becoming one of those things where there's more function to it as well. I mean, you've seen different trends throughout time. You know, obviously, like in the 1990s into 2000s, that was kind of the first wave of the hot tub trends, I think, that that I was a part of um, when I started becoming a hot tub connoisseur. And uh, But that was an investment. You know, that was an investment. So you're kind of talking about same dollar figure amount now. If you want a, a decent in-home setup, I would say, you know, really consider how you're going to use it, what you're going to use it for, so that you do use it. So it doesn't become the, you know, the treadmill of, of your basement or whatever, where it's like, oh, it looks great. And now there's three inches of dust on it because, you know, nobody's used it. Um, really think about how you're going to use it, how you want to use it. But is it worth it? Hell yeah. I want to throw out a mention, too, of what you're starting to see now is more and more of these these bundled packages, right? Because even, even when Chris built his, it was like, all right, I have a launch monitor. And now I need to go to Home Depot or wherever and, and get some right. aluminum beams and, and some zip ties and, and some all this stuff and all this very stuff. And you know, Foresight now, for example, has, they call it a SIM in a box. And it, it's literally like everything you need. It's it's the cage, it's the launch monitor, it's the computer, it's the projector, it's the stand the computer goes uh, goes on to. So it's, it's literally like you just have to know where it's going to go and make sure that it'll fit the space. And, and you can, you know, order in a, in a single click, basically everything you need. And that's, that's, yeah. you know, that's a simple version. They also have a, a simulator build out tool. I was just, I stumbled upon this morning by accident, which is like, you know, you put in all the details of, of your space and what you, whether you want a widescreen, a curved screen or a hitting net. And, and, it, you know, it basically takes all of the, the thinking, if you will, out of it and simplifies it. It's, yeah, I think, I think this is the trend. You're going to see more and more of these kind of things going into homes, especially, you know, in, in the COVID era, we've seen home improvement in its various forms is, is kind of really hot. You know, I, I redid floors in my family room. I would have much rather have put in a simulator, but yeah, <laughs> I guess. Sim in a box. Doesn't that remind anybody else remind you of that song? The Justin Timberlake <laughs> SNL. I still have Missy Elliott <laughs> stuck in my head. <laughs> Is it worth it? Uh, Let me work. <laughs> Miranda's outtakes on this episode are just awesome. <laughs> Harry, what do you want to add? I just want to add, like, for instance, 
if you're up in in northern America, if you can only play golf, you know, six months of the year at, at best, and you're under snow for the rest of it, then I think a, a, a simulator at home is is a must because if you're an avid golfer, then you want to be playing golf all year round. So that is definitely a must. If you're snowed in like Tony, get a simulator if you can afford yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to need to ask for a raise so I can put like an addition on my house. And but this is a terrible yet true story. So, you know, uh, I was thinking like my brother always jokes about my mother coming to live with me, which is, Oh geez. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, but what if, what if I built the addition in the house and like her bedroom was the simulator and we had like a Murphy Ooh. bed, we just kind of folded out of the way when she wasn't sleeping. I'm like, would that be worth it? I decided, no, it wouldn't. i don't really even know where to go with that yeah so um (laughs) tony this week there was a tweet that came across your your timeline and i just want to know what you thought when you saw adam's golf did you do a double take a triple take did you think you were back in 2015 it was yeah it was this was definitely a kind of what the so background here for the first time in like five years, I believe, or so, Adams sent out two tweets over the span of five days and another one hit the Twitterverse this morning. So, yeah, Adams golf is I, I don't know what it means. Right. So we can speculate. Yeah, we have no idea. TaylorMade still owns Adams. So my speculation is, hey, you know, they they may bring it back under what it was planned to be at one point like this super game improvement fun brand for beginners which when you consider how hot the golf market is right now and and how well box sets are selling for example it would actually make a lot of sense to to kind of launch adams in that space put put a box set on the shelves tailor-made can can socially distance itself from the stigma associated with that (laughs) and and make a shit ton of money in that area so that's one possibility uh yeah it could be just kind of floating it out there for a potential buyer and the other thing that is is also remotely interesting is that another company ram golf which is based in in hong kong has has tried to trademark the adams name so uh it's just as possible that these tweets are being put out to sort of show that hey this is a real brand it's alive we're not dead and so you can't come in and take over it we're a real thing and we exist and you know no soup for you (laughs) harry is adam's golf rising from the dead what do you think we're speculating disclaimer we have no idea i don't have any opinion now because tony took all of my opinions and put him into his own little speech. So I don't have shit. Um, <laughs> you I think, got I like think, 75 seconds. Talk about whatever you want. I think it's going to go down the route of the Dick Sporting Goods big box kind of full set line. I remember playing Adam's Golf Club here and there growing up. And it felt, yeah, it was a, it was a nice feeling club. It was easy to hit, but... Apart from that, I have no clue why the back, and it could be exactly that reason why Tony said, <laughs> "Let's let's put it out there just to tease the the potential buyer that might happen." Um, You're just be they, messing with everybody. Yeah, or they might just be like, "Hey, here's a teaser." Actually, no, we're not going to do it. Go suck it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it could just be that too. So no one even knows. I don't think even Adams Golf know at the moment. They're just 
seeing if anything catches traction whether to put money into back into the company or not um or if there's a gap in the market for the big box of the dick sporting goods line i don't know whatever well you could have you could have talked about the possibility that that an intern scheduled these tweets five years ago and they're just now, they're just <laughs> well now, now you've just up. now you just stolen chris's idea well, now and now chris he's got 90 seconds about. now i'm all out of ideas as well Chris, do you have anything um, that hasn't been stolen by the two previous guys? One previous guy, largely, Tony. Uh, but no, I I would say, is it coming back? The And Tony mentioned this in the article, too. Um, you know, even if Adams does come back as the name, it'll be kind of Adams in name only. Um, you know, what, what a lot of us remember as some of those class-leading um, pieces of equipment when, you know, one, they they did have kind of this cultish following amongst better players, certainly with hybrids, fairway woods. And um, I remember the 9064, I think it was the 9064 LS driver. That one I might actually still be in the garage somewhere. That's but, like the, the first driver I ever loved as, as like a My Golf Spy guy. Yeah, like a low spin. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. So the, the, the memories that I have of Adams of these like really kind of, I mean, iconic is probably too strong of a word, but these really, really cool products, really high-performing products, that's never coming back. Um, I, I, I think that, unfortunately, you know, that was part of however the however the uh, debacle went, however the purchase went with with TaylorMade and, and whether or not there were, you know, patent issues involved in that purchase and, and acquisition of certain technologies and things, um, you know, that, that TaylorMade absorbed and then, uh, you know, many will argue continue to, to use even those next two, three generations after Adams was acquired. That's really what, uh, you know, where the Adams technology piece has gone. The uh, Unfortunately, I think if Adams does come back, it's going to be like blue line at best and, and box set at worst. All right. Sad. Pour one out for Adams. Watch Adams just take over the whole golf industry now. <laughs> they've come up. They've come up with so many new patterns that they're, they're going to take over the whole industry. I got a great way how we can uh, we can end every episode is an English phrase, and you got to try and figure out what it means. Miranda, you can't say that All because right. you live with one. All right. So I am Hank Marvin for a Ruby Murray. Oh, I know this. You want me to say it again? Yeah. Can I? Can you slower and louder this time, please? I'm Hank Marvin for a Ruby Murray. Is there any context at all to this? Like, <laughs> Just think of it as rhyme and slang. You really have a hankering, a strong desire for a Bloody Mary. That's what I'm guessing with. That's not that bad. You, you got half of it, right? T Tony, any, anything for you? I'm hungry for something. Yes. Um, I am hungry. I'm Hank Marvin for a... What do we like in England? What is our <laughs> national dish? Dish. He doesn't know that. Fish, Fish and, and chips. chips. <laughs> no. So it's basically, I'm Hank Marvin. I'm starving. So I'm uh, hungry. For a Ruby Murray curry. Curry? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. Don't, spend, don't spend much time thinking about I'm it. I'm hungry for curry. Yeah. That's that's a education for the nation. <laughs> that's Man, this I'm, week's English phrase of the week. I, I gotta be honest with you, like that is so disappointing. <laughs> Just wait, we, we have so many different things that you're gonna blow your mind up. Desserts wise, yeah. spotted dick is another one. I'm so sorry, what? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no? Yep. Yeah. Well don't give them all away this week. 
I will not be Googling spotted dick. That is no. for sure. On that note, we out. Mm -hmm.